The following audio is from Hope Hill Church. To learn more about Hope Hill Church, please visit hopehillchurch.org. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that we have it, that, that you have provided these great words for us to study, for us to dig into, for us to use to be guided and led through life. God, I also thank you for your Holy Spirit. That we don't just have these words to read on our word said that it's living and breathing, that the Holy Spirit is to lead us and guide us to understand the truth. And so I pray, God, that as we look into your word, as we look into this topic this morning concerning the gifts of the Spirit, more specifically the gifts of tongues and what they are, I pray that you would open up our hearts and minds and eyes to see and to hear your word. If you're visiting with us, we started a series, uh, I think maybe eight weeks ago, on the Holy Spirit. Um, The Holy Spirit is God. We have God the Father, God the Son, Jesus Christ, and God the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Jesus, at the end of his life, when he was with his close friends, said, you know, I've come and I've accomplished my purpose, and as the Father sent me to to do what I was supposed to do, now I'm sending you. And as the Father takes me away, it's better that I go to be with him because he is going to send another. He's going to send the Holy Spirit who will be with you and will be in you. And you need him. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and to the ends of the world. But you can't do it apart from the power of the one that will be sent, the Holy Spirit. He will come and give you power. The word there is dunamis. It's not just a warm, fuzzy feeling. Dynamite is not warm and fuzzy. Well, it's warm in other ways, but not really fuzzy. And the Holy Spirit is here not just to give us goosebumps or give us a nice feeling when we're singing Kumbaya with one another in a church service. He is here to give us the power and the ability to be his witnesses. And there are times when God will give us extraordinary power to do extraordinary things. And that's what we've been reading about on and on study. And today we're diving into one of the more rare of the gifts, and I say that intentionally, and we'll dive into that in a minute. It's a little obscure, and sometimes it's caused people to feel a little weird. Um, The gift of tongues, what is it? And so in a moment, I'm going to play a video by somebody that I, I, I really respect. I read a lot of his books. I listen to a lot of his teachings. His name is John Piper here to uh, teach us this morning through video uh, that's been recorded at another time, um, and uh, but it's still good and encouraging for us today. And then we're going to dive into today, I'm trying to wrap up the topic of tongues uh, in our main teaching sessions today by answering some questions that have been sent to me and some questions that I've had that I've learned answers to or felt like God has led me in some good directions. I'm going to share those with you this morning. And Ultimately, this is part of a bigger thing. We're not here just to understand what tongues are, because they're just one small piece of the puzzle. Ultimately, we are the church, and the Holy Spirit is given so that the church can be equipped for the mission, which is to reach those who do not yet know Jesus. There are so many people in our world, and maybe even in our setting today, that don't understand, know, and love 
understand and know the love of Jesus Christ and His forgiveness that He offers by us putting our faith and trust in Him. And the gifts of the Spirit are given to us to believe on the Lord, to know that love, to receive that forgiveness, and to come and become a part of the body that God has built to the establishment of the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. And so this morning, uh, let us dive in together. I'm going to read two passages of Scripture. Then we're going to hear a couple comments from John Piper, and then we're going to dive in and answer some questions together. The first passage I want us to read from, uh, just to give us context of the setting, is Acts chapter 2, and then we're going to flip over to 1 Corinthians 14. So if you have your Bibles, Acts 2 and 1 Corinthians 14. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand. One of our ushers will bring one to you. If you don't own a Bible, this is our gift to you, people. We want you to have it. Let me read for us, Acts chapter 2. The book of Acts is kind of like the history and the recording of the beginning of the church. Jesus is leaving. He's leaving his disciples behind. And he says, wait, I need you to receive the Holy Spirit before you can do what it is I'm leading you to do. So they're waiting. They're up in this room. They're praying together. There's an estimate that there's about 500 or so there. Uh, men and women together, and they're waiting on the power of the Holy Spirit to come so that they can be the witnesses God has prepared them to be. When the day of Pentecost came, now the Pentecost festival was a festival that would draw Jews from all nations around the area and those who had converted to Judaism. Many were coming from different language-speaking groups, different nations. The day of Pentecost had come. All of the disciples, the followers, were together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were staying there in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one of them heard the speaking in their own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all of these men who are speaking, are they Galileans? And how is it that each of us hears in our own native language? word there is actually for dialect. They all did not only hear their language, they heard their, their version of a dialect, their, their specific version of that language. Their presence were Parthians, Medes, the Lamanites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya and Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Christians and Arabs, we all heard them declaring the wonders of God in our own language. Amazed and perplexed, they asked each other, what does this mean? Now, I want to read from 1 Corinthians 14. In this passage, the church has now been around a few years. It's starting to grow and spread in this port city of Corinth. Uh, a, 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 a metropolis of sorts, 
uh, people from all different areas living, coming to barter and buy and sell and trade and live. It's a happening place. And the church is beginning to grow here. And a lot of the Christians there, they are trying to figure out gifts. What are all these gifts? How do we operate these gifts? And Paul writes them this letter with these words of encouragement and instruction. Follow the way of love, he starts off. That's the ultimate thing that's behind all of the commandments of God. God is love, and everything that we do should be motivated out of love. Love for God and love for one another. The two greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Follow the way of love. But then he goes on and he says, eagerly desire, if you have your own Bible, um, I want you to circle those words. Eagerly desire. Now, this is not something that he's saying, hey, if, you, if those of you who consider yourself Christians now and you're loving each other, uh, you might want to check out these couple things. No, he's, this is a commandment. This is not something that's just a, a, a passing suggestion. He is telling them, I need you to desire these things, and eagerly, not just like, uh, you might get to them, but eagerly desire them, especially the gift of prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. We're going to dive into a lot of this in the next few weeks in Q&A. Indeed, no one understands the one speaking in tongues. He utters mysteries with his spirit. But everyone who prophesies, on the other hand, speaks to men for their strengthening and their encouragement and their comfort. He who speaks in a tongue edifies, builds up himself. But he who prophesies edifies and builds up the church. I would like for every one of you, some of your versions, the word wish is there. I wish that all of you would speak in tongues, but I would rather you prophesy. He who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets so that the church can be Edified. He's not saying that those of you who have the gift of tongues are more spiritual or better than those who prophesy. He's just saying for the sake of the church, since tongues builds up the individual person and prophecy builds up the group, it's better that you would want to be one who prophesies. Now, prophecy is building up by sharing words of encouragement that you were given by God. God impressed on your heart, hey, I don't really feel like God wants me to share this with you. And, and you can understand it because I'm speaking your language. That's prophecy. Tongues, on the other hand, would be me getting up here and saying something to you. I had no clue what I was saying because you don't understand the language I'm speaking. You can see why one is, would be a little better than another in a corporate setting. Now, brothers, I have come to you. Excuse me, verse 8. Now, brothers, if I come to you and I'm speaking in tongues... What will I be to you unless I bring with you a revelation or knowledge or prophecy or a word of instruction? Even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds such as a flute or a harp, how will anyone know what is being played unless there is a distinction in the note? Again, if the trumpet doesn't sound a clear call, who will know to get ready for battle? So it is with you. Unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you are saying? You will just be speaking into the air. 
undoubtedly, there are all sorts of languages in the world, yet none of them is without meaning. If then I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, I am then a foreigner to the speaker and the speaker a foreigner to me. So it is with you. Since you are eager to have spiritual gifts, try to excel in the gifts that build up the church. For this reason, if anyone speaks in a tongue, he should pray that he may also interpret what he is saying. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, catch this, but my mind, my own mind, the one speaking, my mind is unfruitful. It doesn't understand. So what should I do? I will pray with my spirit. He doesn't say, I'm I'm not going to pray that way anymore. He says, no, I'm going to pray still with my spirit, but I also pray with my mind. I will sing with my spirit, singing in tongues, but I will also sing with my mind, singing with words that I understand. If you are praising God with your spirit, how can one who finds himself among you, who doesn't understand what you're saying, say amen in agreement with you, and know that you're giving thanksgiving, since he doesn't know what you're saying. So may it be. You may be giving thanks well enough, but if the other man is not understanding, he will not be edified. 18. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of them. But in the church, in the corporate gatherings, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. I'm going to jump down to verse 23. If the whole church comes together and everyone is speaking in a tongue and some do not understand or some unbelievers come in, will they not say that you are out of your mind and going crazy? But if an unbeliever or someone who does not understand comes in while everybody is prophesying, he will be convinced by all that he is a sinner and that he may face judgment or will be judged by all and the secrets of his heart will be laid bare because he's understanding what's being said and he will fall down and worship God exclaiming, God is among you. There is more that we're going to say as we dive into the questions and answers. There's more I'm going to allude to in a few minutes uh, about order and and how we should use tongues. Uh, But before I dive into some of those thoughts, I want you to hear from John Piper. Uh, This is a recording of a question he was asked what tongues were. John Piper is an individual that believes wholeheartedly in the foundations of Scripture, that this is the Word of God. It's here to instruct us and lead us. Um, He's not one that many consider, you know, crazy or out there when it comes to the extreme views on on charismatic issues, but he does believe that the gift of tongues is still here for today. And so, with that being said, here's John Piper. Pastoral Ministry Bethlehem, youth encourage the people to pursue the full range of the spiritual gifts. What do you mean by speaking in tongues, and how have they operated or not operated during your pastorate? Um, We've gone through seasons at Bethlehem where we focus more or less on these things, and it seems like if you don't talk about them from the pulpit and teach on them, 
at least in our context, they tend to fade into the background. And so we go through seasons. And I would say the prominent seasons have been where they're just not in the forefront. That is the extraordinary gifts like tongues. And I'm okay with that uh, since my sense is that Paul was not eager to forefront that gift but was a little bit miffed that it was being foregrounded as much as it was when he wrote 1 Corinthians 12. He, he was having to, to give restraint to it rather than promote it. He said, I'd rather speak 5,000 or 10,000 words with my mouth and with my mind than, than, than uh, five words with my mind than 10,000 with a tongue. And so that seemed to indicate, okay, don't fret too much if it's not a prominent experience. So I, I don't buy, of course, the Pentecostal historical teaching that you must speak in tongues in order to signify that you're filled with the Spirit or, with, or that you're a Christian even. So the, the function that, that it has is that it's a gift. It's there. I see no reason for arguing that anything has changed in the history of redemption that between the age of the apostles and our age, that gift should have disappeared. Uh, if God wants it to disappear, he'll make it disappear. But I don't see any mandate that we not pursue it, but I see, in fact, encouragement that we do. So I think um, I see at least two kinds of expressions of it. One would be where it is an actual language. And I've heard stories that people, without knowing what they're doing, have spoken a language that somebody from another people group understood. And so that would be one view. And then my sense is from reading 1 Corinthians 12 that that's not what was going on there, but that it was more of an ecstatic utterance that didn't have any ordinary human meaning, but tongues of men and of angels, tongues of angels seems to be spoken about. And so... It's a kind of utterance where your heart is full to the point of overflowing with the Holy Spirit. He looses your tongue to, to utter those syllables, and they are of spiritual value to you. And if there is someone with an interpretation, then they become spiritually valuable to others, which is why Paul instructs that if that person interpreting isn't there, there is no one, then don't do it in public, and I think that's why, basically, they don't have the prominency in public. So I would encourage in a church that if people believe that they have these gifts, they would function in the smaller groupings of the church, where people who uh, have gifts of interpretation can be there. I think the typical use of them to just speak them out in public as a kind of corporate ecstasy, I don't find warrant for that. And in fact, I think Paul is trying to discourage that because he says people will come in and they'll say you're crazy. Uh, but if everybody's prophesying, if they're speaking the word of God, if they're one by one speaking out of what God has shown them in the word or from experience, then the person might fall down and say God is in this, in this place. As far as my own experience goes, I don't believe that I have ever authentically spoken in tongues. And I remember in the seasons... You know, it's funny that you're asking me this today when I'm it's December. Just this morning, I was pacing in my living room, 
memorizing some words from uh, Jude 1, 20, 22. Um, and for some reason, it says, keep yourselves in the love of God, surrounded by three participles, building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourself in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, which gives you eternal life. So those three participles define how you keep yourself in the love of God. And for some reason, that came to my mind, because I, I don't think praying in the Holy Spirit means praying in tongues. That's probably why it came to my mind. I think it means being in sync with the Holy Spirit in the way you pray. But I thought of tongues, and I said, I haven't asked for tongues for a long time. And so I just paused. I'm, I'm walking back and forth in my living room. Nobody, Talon's up in her room. Noel's at the gym. And I said, Lord, I'm still eager to speak in tongues. Would you give me that gift? Now, at that point, you can try to say banana backwards if you want to. <laughs> I used to sit in the car outside church singing in tongues. But I knew I wasn't. I was just making it up. And I said, this isn't it. I know this isn't it. But this is what they try to get you to do if, if you're in that certain group. And I, I just, I did everything to try to open myself to this. And, and the Lord has always said to me without words, no. <laughs> no. But, but he never just said no. He always said, John Piper, I have given you a gift. I have given you a gift of teaching, of preaching, of shepherding. You shepherd the prophets. You shepherd the tongue speakers. I'm not going to give it to you. But I don't assume that's his last word. And so every now and then, I'm just going to go back to him like a child and say, a lot of my brothers and sisters have this toy. as <laughs> this gift. Can I have it too? And if he says no because it might go to your head or because you misuse it or because of whatever, it's his business. So um, I, I don't think tongues is a prominent or primary gift. It tends to become that because it's so strange and so rare and so unusual. But I don't think in the New Testament it is a normative. In fact, at the end of 1 Corinthians 12, it says, Do all speak in tongues? Do all prophesy? Do all have uh, work miracles? No, they don't all. And so I don't feel guilt for not having it. I feel like I'm submitting to my Father in heaven. I'm not going to be able to get to everything that I have in your notes just for the sake of time, but I want you to have them so that on your own, as I say each week, I want to encourage you to be people who study the Word of God. That's what God calls us to do. And so the notes that I've given for you today, I'm going to go through them quickly in the short time we have together, but I have them there for you to do further study on your own and to read the passages uh, that I've written there and around them. Just let the Holy Spirit bring to light more of the truth behind what He's shared with me. Um, uh, and so I'm just going to go through uh, basically I've kind of written down some questions that I think get to the heart of some of the foundational issues and I'm going to attempt to do the best I can to answer some of those questions. So the first one is our tongues a human language? Uh, from the readings we saw today in the book of Acts in chapter 2 we see that to be the case. Uh, the first time the Holy Spirit's given, he's sent to indwell and live in the hearts of those who are now believers in Jesus, and he gives them the ability to speak languages they had not yet learned or known. 
uh, we saw the list there. There was uh, several listed of people from different nations and languages and even dialects. And these people were given the ability to speak. It would be like me all of a sudden speaking French. I haven't learned anything but parlez-vous français or something like that, okay? Uh, all of a sudden, I'd be able to speak a language I had never studied. And, and that was seems to be the case in Acts chapter 2. But at the same time, Paul is alluding to a various kind of tongues, as recorded in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, a tongues of men, things we can understand, and a tongue of angels. Now, some have taken that to be the idea that there is a special code language, that the reason you need the gift of tongues is so that you can fight against Satan and demons, because the um, gift of tongues is a code language that they can't understand. But that's not in the Bible anyway. So I, I really want us to be careful not to build our belief based on things not found in Scripture. But Paul does clearly state that there is a tongue of man and a tongue of angels. That when someone is praying in tongues, or they'll even say, I'll sing in tongues at times and my mind is unfruitful. So what will I do? Will I stop doing that? No. I will sing in tongues. I will pray in tongues. I will pray in in my mind and I will sing in my mind. I will sing things I understand. And at times when I have the gift of tongues, I will also let those words come out of my mouth. But he said, my mind is out unfruitful. There are things that are going to be said that no one will understand. If tongues were always just the ability to speak another human language, then Paul's instructions would not really make sense. Paul says, if you're all speaking in tongues and unbelievers come into your gathering, if they were only languages, wouldn't that actually be beneficial? And especially in a city like Corinth, an important city for people from different tribes and languages and nations, And they come in and, wow, you're speaking my language. I can understand that. But he's saying, no, but to them it's all gibberish, and they're going to think that it's crazy. So, again, we see here that tongues can be the ability to speak a a human language, but at times it's going to be a tongues of angels, something that's not understood by you or I, and the speaker doesn't necessarily understand it unless another gift is given, the gift of interpretation, which can come at times. Now, in our congregation, there are some unbelievers who do already have this gift, and some may receive it eventually. Um, I've not yet met anyone who believes they have the gift of interpretation, but if you feel like you are one who does, I'd love to meet you and learn that about you as well, because I do believe that the gift of tongues are necessary and they're still needed, that the kingdom of God is still being established, and the gift of tongues was given so that the mission of God could be accomplished. And the mission of God is not yet complete, so I believe the gift still exists for us today. All right, let's move on to our next question. What does Paul say is the purpose of tongues? The purpose of tongues, initially, um, people will say, well, it's for evangelism. If you look at Acts chapter 2, my pushback here, and in the studies I've been reading, is I don't see tongues used in an evangelistic way in Scripture. By evangelism, I mean me speaking to you. You don't yet believe in Jesus, and because I'm speaking in tongues, all of a sudden now you believe in Jesus. Now, if you look at Acts and you look at what was being said by those who had been given that miracle of the ability to speak these other languages, what they're declaring is not the gospel necessarily, 
they're declaring the mighty works of God. So you have this group of people all now praying in tongues and declaring the mighty works of God is what the verse says. They're declaring, God, you're a God of healing. God, you're a God who raises the dead. God, you're a God who fights back fear. They're praising God and building up God, and they're all doing it, and it's heard, and this crowd gathers, and then Peter says, hey, now that you're here, let me tell you what's going on. And he shares with them the gospel, uh, how much Jesus loves them, how many of them present there were the reason he was crucified and went to the cross, and he shares with them how they can receive forgiveness, redemption, and salvation. And 3,000 people put their faith and trust in Jesus that day. In this particular case, don't wear it. Don't wear it. You like crying tongues all you want. According to the passages we see in Acts, we see three times that tongues is spoken in Acts. In Acts chapter 2, we saw the disciples given that miraculous ability to speak a language they did not yet learn. And, and later in Acts, there's an account between a guy named Peter, the disciple Peter, the apostle Peter, and a guy named Cornelius, who's a Gentile. He's not Jewish. He's not a believer. And Peter is chilling at a friend's house. He's got a friend named Simon the Tanner, and he's up on his roof, and he's sunbathing and taking a nap. And while he's dreaming, this table comes out of heaven. Now, Peter, being Jewish, they had a very strict dietary uh, set of rules that they followed. No bacon, no sausage, no ham. Okay? Something had to change there, and Jesus changes it. All right? God sends in this dream a table out of heaven, bacon from heaven. I know it was heavenly. And it comes down, and this table comes down full of food that Peter, up to this point, has not been permitted to eat. And in the dream, he hears his voice say, Peter, get up and eat. And he's like, wait a minute, it's got to be a test. I'm not allowed to eat that, God. And God says, who are you to call dirty what I've called clean? And this was God's way, I believe, that he was saying, I didn't come just for the Jews. And many of you, you look Gentiles, you look as unclean and unpure. The gospel has begun with you, but it's ready to spread all over the world. It's going to the Gentiles next. And all of a sudden, Peter's woken up because there's a knock at the door. And the knock at the door is Cornelius, this Gentile. And he's like, hey, I heard you, Peter, can tell me about this guy named Jesus. Will you come to my house and tell us all about him? And so Peter goes with Cornelius, and they get to the house, and everyone in the house is listening to Peter. And as Peter is explaining who Jesus is and how salvation is made possible, forgiveness, and how we can be a part of the family of God, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit, in the middle of Peter's preaching, falls on them. And there isn't even a gospel invitation there. He's just preaching, and the Holy Spirit falls on them. And the whole family starts praising God and speaking in tongues. And so many people have said, well, there you go. Every time the Holy Spirit comes, there has to be tongues. But there's one other time in Acts where something similar happens, Acts chapter 15. You've got some individuals who have been following the teachings of John the Baptist. You know, before Jesus kind of became known as the Messiah and Savior, John the Baptist was preparing people, hey, get ready. We know the prophecies. God is going to send a Messiah. We need to get our life right. Repent and start doing the things that are right because God is coming. Jesus, the Messiah, is going to come. And 
these individuals had only heard that teaching. They had not yet heard about Jesus. They had not heard yet heard that Jesus died on the cross for them. And so they share the gospel with them. And as they're praying to receive the gospel and they're baptized, the Holy Spirit falls on them. And they begin to speak in tongues. Okay, so wait a minute, guys. Acts 2, Acts 10, Acts 19, all examples where people were saved and now they have tongues. Does it not mean everybody who gets saved gets tongues? In your passage, in your, in your handout, I have recorded seven other places throughout the book of Acts where people became believers in Jesus Christ, where people were radically transformed, where people were baptized, and not once is the gift of tongues given. Tongues will be given to some, not all. Tongues will sometimes be languages that are understood by some. You miraculously speak Chinese all of a sudden, and other times it will be a language completely not understood by you or anybody else, but a tongue of angels. So why do we have it? Why do we have it? And according to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, in chapter 2, I mean verse 2, 14 through 15, 28, it's a form of prayer. At tongues is for you communicating with God. And the purpose there is the edification, the building up of yourself. So is it isn't building up yourself kind of a selfish thing? Isn't it really supposed to build up ourselves? Taking care of yourself and building up yourself isn't selfish. If it ends with just you doing it for yourself, that's where sin comes in. But we're all, you're here today, you're listening to the Word of God so that you can be built up spiritually. You do all kinds of things for yourself so that you're a better person, you can be the best father you can be, you can be the best husband you can be, you can be the best co-worker you can be. We build up ourselves so that we can be better for others. And those who have the gift of tongues have the ability to have a, a, a prayer language that they do in and on, the, on their own in a time between them and God, and it restores their soul, builds them up. And because of that, there are people like John Piper and myself who have prayed for them. And for whatever reason, God has said, I've got other gifts for you. That one remains in for other people. So the purpose of tongues, to declare the mighty works of God as seen in Acts. It's a form of prayer as seen in um, 1 Corinthians 14. It's a form of self-edification, building up oneself uh, on, on, on the inner man, the Bible would say. Then, the next question I have, should all Christians speak in tongues? Well, I kind of already answered that. According to 1 Corinthians 5, um, some have argued, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 5, Paul said the words, and if you remember when we read it, I wish or I want all of you to speak in tongues. How many of you remember that? Paul uses the same phrase in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. So if we're going to apply Paul's wish to mean that we all should, then all of you who are married need to get divorced. Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul is talking about he's glad he's single, and he wishes all of us were. So now we have to be careful how we take words and twist the meaning. So I do not believe that Paul, I think Paul on one hand is saying, you know what, tongues has been so good for me. There have been times in my times of imprisonment. There have been times when I've been beaten. There have been times when I've been discouraged. And I've been able to pray in tongues. And I wish you all could experience that. But it doesn't mean that you all will. He goes on and lets us know, um, that speaking in tongues is not a sign of 
spiritual maturity. It's not a sign of the baptism of the Spirit. It's not a sign of you being filled with God's presence and closer to Him. It's simply a gift given to some and not necessarily all. The next question. Are tongues to be used in one's private devotional prayer life or in corporate gatherings? 1 Corinthians 14, 18 through 19, Paul says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. So it's a good thing. Tongues is a good thing and it's needed. And those who the gift is given, they should use it. But nevertheless, in church, when we're all gathered together, I would rather speak five words with my mind than, in order to instruct than 10,000 words in a tongue. I believe it's clear from the foundation established in 1 Corinthians 14 that in our corporate gatherings, in a place where the hope and the desire is that in our times together, we are declaring the wondrous works of God we're sharing the gospel with those who do not yet know. And if in our settings, and I hope even today in our settings, we have people who are present who don't understand these things, who don't know who God is yet, if we were all babbling, just gibberish, that could be awkward. And they'd walk in, and Paul says in, in the passage, if an unbeliever walks in and you're all speaking in tongues and no one understands, they're going to think you're crazy going to think you're out of your mind. And so Paul gives instruction. He says, I want you to be very, I want you to be encouraged. He says, don't neglect or don't despise spiritual gifts. Don't, don't reject that people should not speak in tongues, but in a corporate setting, if there are going to be tongues that are shared, I want it to be limited to two, maybe three, and there needs to be an interpretation so that all can be built up to that effectively. And if that's not going to happen, then he says, be quiet and just pray for yourself and for God. And so in our setting here as a church that's growing and learning about these things, that my encouragement is that we would build our foundation of how we teach based on the instruction from the Word of God. So those of you who have the gift of tongues, use it. Um, use it as much as God leads you. But in our corporate settings, let's follow the instructions outlined here by Paul, but be careful not to confuse others. Um, my daughter Alexis, a lot of you know her because at the time when she's in town, she helped lead worship. There was a, one of her last Sundays here. We had a time of praying over her as she was getting ready to go off to learn to uh, enter a worship leading program. And people surrounded her and were praying for her and building her up. And after the service, she came to me and said, Dad, I think it's like people speaking different languages and I can't understand it. It's kind of, it's hard for me to focus on the English words that are being said because people were talking other languages. I said was in our in our devotional or prayer life. Hey, yeah, I believe Paul when he says over and over again that I speak tongues more than all of you. If he's not doing it in corporate gatherings, where else would he be doing it? I believe in his times of personal prayer and communion with God. When he's off, whether it's in some quiet times or just off on his own, riding his camel by himself, who knows? 
I believe that to those settings where Paul was often praying in tongues, since he was given that gift, building himself up in that gift. Now in Jude chapter 20, John Piper alluded to it, that there was a commandment. He said, build yourself up by praying in the Spirit. And so I believe for those of you that pray in tongues, you need to do that often, often as you can. Pray so that you will be strengthened. What advice should we give to those who do not yet have the gift of tongues? This last question as we are four minutes over, and I've got to bring this to a close. Our worship team, you can begin to get in place. Um, what do we do for those who don't? You know, when I was 17 years old, I was falling in love with Jesus. I was feeling called to ministry, and I wanted everything he had. And there were times, night after night, that I would just come in the door and just begging him, Jesus, if you want me to have this gift of tongues, for whatever reason, I don't even know what it is, but if you want me to have it, please give it to me. And my encouragement is that if you are unsure about what it is, and you want to know if God wants you to have it, then just ask him. Now, there are many tongues, there are many gifts, and tongues is one of those rare kind of different kind of gifts, and my encouragement is that we all would be pursuing the greater gifts, not greater as in they're better, but gifts that will build up each other. But for those of you that find yourself desiring tongues, ask for it. In Luke chapter 11, it says this. Now, suppose one of you fathers is asked by a son for a fish. Will he not give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he's asked for an egg, will, will he not give him a scorpion? He won't do that, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more do you think your heavenly Father will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And my encouragement is don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Well, should I ask for that? Don't be afraid. Just ask. You have a Father who loves you. He's not going to give you a snake when you ask for a blessing. He's going to give you what you need. And some of you, when you ask for the gift of tongues, he will give it to you. Others, he's got another plan in store for you. Be ready to receive it. Let each of you go to him and ask him for what he wants to give you. The second thing, don't be afraid of losing control. Those who have the gift of tongues, I've talked to many friends that have the gift of tongues. It's not like all of a sudden they lose control and they start just just, just gibbering, you know, on and on, uncontrollably. And Paul says, hey, if you have the gift of tongues, I don't want you to do it in corporate settings. So that tells us that we have the ability to say, all right, I'm going to do it now and I'm not going to do it now. We have the ability to turn it on and to turn it off. And so I encourage you to not be afraid that if you seek this gift, that you might lose control and start babbling uncontrollably. It won't happen. Now, the Holy Spirit will form words that you don't know, and he'll form them. In my one experience, for those of you that heard me tell my story a few weeks ago, there was one time, and only one time, when God kind of gave me a taste of what tongues was. I was singing a worship song, and when the English word stopped, all of a sudden foreign words came out of my mouth, and I wasn't confused. I felt joy. I felt peace. I was like, wow, is this tongues? It was weird. And I learned from that experience that God, that was God's way of saying, hey, if I want to do it, I'll do it. And he did it. Never done it again since. I've asked, but oh well. All right. Second, uh, third. Those who receive the gift of tongues are not spiritual elite. 
You're not like on the varsity squad. You're not better if you have that gift than those who don't. It's not a sign of being filled with the Holy Spirit. My brother, although many times he talks so fast, I think he's tongues, he he just talks fast. He gets excited and full of passion with the Holy Spirit. And I know he's filled, but he doesn't have the gift of tongues. I know many of you who are filled with the love and joy and peace and power of God and, and live in the giftedness he gives you, but you don't have tongues. Fourth, don't try to fake it till you make it. If you don't speak in tongues but want to, you don't feel don't feel like you have to prime the pump by repeatedly saying banana bad words until it comes. In some circles it's taught. Use say these phrases over and over again and you'll start to speak in tongues. Write them down. Write down Honda, Suzuki, Mitsubishi. Okay? Now say them over and over again and, and it'll sound like you're speaking in tongues, but it's just gonna be you. It's not gonna be the Holy Spirit. We have to be careful to not try and force ourselves to have something that God isn't giving us. Fifth, persevere in prayer. If you truly want the fullness and power of God, He will give it to you. And to you, He might give one gift to you, another to you, another. Sixth, devote yourself to extended times of praise. My encouragement would be on your own. Find times, whether it's in your car when you're driving by yourself or at home, worship music, and just find times when you can get alone with God and worship Him, and who knows what will happen during those times. But if you're alone, God might choose to show up and gift you with tongues. It, it, what happens between the two of you is between the two of you. My encouragement is that you would find times of intimacy with Him and extended times of praise. Make a, praise, uh, a prayer list, uh, uh, a playlist, and start listening and drawing close to God through We're over, and so we're going to bring this to a close. My encouragement is that if you have more questions, write them down. If you have something you feel like God is laying in your heart that should be shared, write it down. At the end of last service, um, somebody did that and brought this to me, and it's real encouraging. I'm not going to share it yet. You guys have read it fully. My encouragement is that God wants to use each and every one of us. He's going to give us each different giftings. He's going to give us each different words of encouragement. We need to learn to walk in the Spirit so that we can be filled by the Spirit and accomplish the purpose of the Spirit, which is seeing those who do not yet know Jesus come to know Jesus through Jesus Christ. As you're here today, you may be sitting here unsure of where you are with be sitting here today unsure of what it means to believe in Jesus. I simply want to tell you that if you're here today, I don't believe it's by accident. I believe that you're here today because God wants you to know how much he loves you. And as confusing as the last 30 minutes may have been for you, simply put, you need to know God loves you. Regardless of what may have happened in your life, what kind of choices you've made, what kind of things you've, been, you've done or had done to you, God is here to pour his love into your life, change you, and make you new forever. And so it starts by you just, from your heart, calling out to him and saying, Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for coming to this world and dying on a cross for me. The Bible says that when he went to the cross, he took 
has sinned upon itself and shed its blood to forgive us of our sins. And so you just pray to him and say, thank you for dying on a cross for me. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins and help me to learn to follow you. I give my heart to you. Thank you for giving me joy. Father God, I pray for those who are in this room today. And I pray that for those who may be stepping into a relationship with you for the first time today, accepting your love and your forgiveness, that they would know how much you are here to love them give them, to make them new, and that your Holy Spirit is now coming to live inside them and show them how to walk, to follow you. God, I also pray for those in this room who already know you as Lord and Savior. But to be honest, we don't always open up the fullness of our life to you. We pray for your filling. We pray that you would help us to turn from the things that trip us up pray that you help us to turn from the things that we know that we do that we shouldn't, and that we would put our eyes and our focus and our path would be towards you, allowing you to come in and invade every area of our life and make us the people you want us to be, so that we can reach those you put in the life around us, everywhere we eat, sleep, play, study, and shop, and work, God, everywhere we go where people don't know you, shine through us so that they see you there. God, I pray for those in this room who may be desiring your gifts. We all should be desiring, eagerly desiring your gifts. God, I pray if there's someone here today who's uncertain what your gifts are, that they would ask you, our loving Father, who gives lavishly to pour into our life the gifts that you want us to have. I pray that you would help us to call out to you, to seek after you, to begin taking baby steps towards you, discover what the gifts are as our worship team closes us in this last song I want to encourage you as you feel led we have prayer team members standing around the room if you gave your heart to Jesus today by asking him to come into your life forgive you of your sins and to make you new I want you to get up and go and pray with one of them and let them know that you prayed to receive Jesus today and let them pray with you if you're here today and you would say, I'm one of those Christians who isn't quite sold out, I don't know that I'm really filled the way I should be with God's power and presence, will you pray for me? I want to encourage you to get up and go and find one of our prayer team members and ask them to pray with you. And if you're unsure of what your gifts are and you just want direction, I encourage you to get up and to go and find one of our prayer team members and say, I want the gifts, whatever they are. Will you pray that God would help me to discover them? Let us take time to pray for each other. And in a closing thought, if you're here and you're sick, you're struggling, if your family is struggling, if there's some burden or brokenness that you carry on your own, let us pray with you about that as well. We want to walk this journey with you together. Whatever it is, respond to him. Let's sing our song together. God, move among us now.